There is a podcast for everyone out there, but from the viewpoint of the male executive assistant, not so much. So here we go. Hello, ladies and hello, gentlemen. Welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickwood, and I've been an assistant for more than 20 years. Being a man in what is decidedly a role filled by women has put me in some insightful, some hilarious, and certainly some very unique situations. During this podcast, I plan to share many of those experiences, as well as some of the tips and tricks and the do's and the don'ts that I've learned over the years, which is my way to bring a new perspective on an old profession. Whether you are a receptionist, a secretary, an executive assistant, somewhere above, below, or in between, retired, starting out, or mid-career, I hope that you find some enjoyment and something interesting from my ramblings. So please join me, ladies, and of course the gentlemen, as I bring you into my world, the world of the male admin, on my podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. Welcome back. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this is episode two of Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. On this week's episode, Who's the Boss? I'll be reminiscing on those times where I had a boss asking me if I wanted to do something more. That time I wasn't hired as an admin because I was a man, and two cases of mistaken identity, as well as the time when I was forgotten. I would also like to say, whenever you might stumble across this podcast, thank you for your support. As of this week, you can find this podcast on App Podcasts, Spotify, and hosted on Buzzsprout. During one of my first roles, the one where I was at the bank, I supported the VP and Chief Anti-Money Laundering Officer. In addition to being his admin assistant, I was also assigned the task of cross-checking and tracking of restricted trade requests by mid-level management. He had never had an assistant before. I was his first one. In hindsight, being his first assistant, and also being a man, I believe made him uncomfortable. So I took it upon myself to work at managing his calendar, which he'd resisted, as well as ensuring he had everything he needed for his meetings, which he also resisted. A complication was that my desk was a good 20 paces from his office, and I couldn't see his door. He wouldn't let me know when he was stepping away, and he wouldn't let me know if and when he needed something. About four months after starting, we had sat down for my performance review. It was during this time that the question about my career progression came up. Now, at that time, I was still in my early 20s, learning my skills, my role, and how to best support an executive. All of that is to say that I hadn't really considered what my career progression would be. I just knew that I liked what I did and that I was fairly good at it, and it was really the only career up to that point that I knew. The conversation began innocuously enough in that he asked me what type of job and what type of roles I might be interested in doing. I replied honestly and that I hadn't given it too much thought, but that I enjoyed being an admin and that I thought I was good at it, and I would eventually like to support more senior executives. It's worth noting that even though his title was a C-suite, he was sub-leadership, reporting into the general counsel. 
As the conversation proceeded, it quickly became apparent to me that he was trying to figure out a way to navigate me into a non-admin role. And while looking back on it, I suspect that he genuinely meant well, and he was trying to find something for me in the department that didn't keep me as an admin. At the time, though, I did take this as a bit of an insult, mainly because I felt that he didn't value my contribution as an admin and that he couldn't see me doing value-added work or tasks while I was an admin and that my value could only be enhanced by having me perform those tasks from another role. As I look back on it, it is very possible that me being a man factored significantly into this discussion because I don't think that had I been a woman, this conversation would have even become an issue. Um, the whole situation of don't you want to do something more, something better, something different really does feel and can only really be rationalized for me as being uh, very much, but you're a man, don't you want to do something better? I've never considered admin work beneath me. I don't think it's beneath anyone. I think it's a very important type of position, and it's a very necessary role in any office. You need people who are there to be able to take the administrative aspect away from it. Unfortunately, he didn't recognize this. I don't believe he saw this. And it's um, it, it's curious in that I don't know if he ever would. So far as I know, um, when I would eventually leave um, about a month or so after that, when I was offered another position, I don't believe that they actually replaced me for him. They just uh, gave his admin or rather my admin tasks to one of the other admins and they would continue to support him. A similar conversation occurred during one of my very first temporals. Uh, I had been with the government division for a short period of time as a temp and I was filling in on their reception desk. Part of that role was writing responses to comment cards. Yes, these were actually paper comment cards. They weren't emailed or electronic comment cards. I would work with standardized responses, but occasionally there was a need to customize an answer. While I was supposed to pass those types of comments off to my supervisor to complete, there was a time when she was away, and so I took it upon myself to write the custom response. I passed those on to the director, and he was impressed with my drafted reply and made only a few small changes. A while after that, when I happened to be in the cafeteria line with him, we talked about what I thought about doing. It was a similar discussion, yet without the implied valuelessness of being an admin. He genuinely thought I would make a good report writer or an analyst, and that a bachelor of finance would be in my future. I didn't dare tell him that math was nowhere near um, a strong suit for me and my inherent stupidity towards it has never made me pursue a bachelor of finance degree. However, since then I have written reports, done department budgets, and I've been a treasurer for a number of nonprofit corporations and nonprofit boards. So perhaps he did see something in it that I never did. Either way, his view of the admin was a neutral role. He understood the importance of it. He didn't look at me as being 
a man in a woman's role, it was more or less I was young, he was trying to figure out what I might want to do as a career. I need to start this section with a disclaimer. I cannot prove that sexism existed in this case, at least not using any method that could be documented. Only through separate conversations that I had much later after the fact, and given what I was to learn about the temperament and beliefs of the individual to whom I was interviewing with, can I make the assumption that this was in fact sexism. When I was about five years into one of my long-term positions, a role opened up as the assistant to the divisional head. His assistant was moving, and she got a new job closer to her new home. The divisional head, a man, was the boss of my boss's boss. My boss, also a man, was friends with the divisional head. My boss's boss, a woman, I discussed the role with my then boss, and he was the deputy division director, who encouraged me to apply. I then spoke with his boss, the division director, the woman, whom I got along well with and whom I would eventually support. Both were very supportive of me applying for the position and both believed that I would be exceptional in the role. I had been backing up the then current assistant in various aspects of her role and with various softwares specific to the position. All of these things I included in my application. The position was only posted internally and so the applicant pool was relatively small. That being considered, it is likely that I was the only man who applied, given how many men were assistants or at least in the organization who were able to apply and even still that being the case I was probably the only man who got an interview. It was a few days after the interview before I heard anything. In a weird twist, I actually learned who got the role before I heard that I didn't get it. It was one of the other admins in the department. I was walking past her desk when she got the call, and I lingered just past her field of vision and listened to her half of the conversation. I was back at my desk a few minutes later when I got the call from HR telling me that I didn't get it. I, of course, was disappointed, um, but I didn't think really anything of it at that time. I sent a note to my boss, the deputy director, and his boss, the director, letting them both know. A few minutes later, I got a call from each of them, equal parts surprised and angry. In hindsight, they responded more polarized to the situation than I had at the time. They were both actually in a meeting with the divisional head at the time that they read my note, and they both questioned him as to why I, with more than five years' experience in the department doing a similar role, and with a strong foundation for the position, didn't get the role over the woman who did, who'd barely been in the department, let alone the organization, for a year. The rather non-specific response was, is that he had more research skills and would be able to do research and write research papers for him. Something it seemed he had envisaged that the role would take on, but hadn't at any time expressed that to anyone else. It's worth noting that the research he talked about, I already did for my boss and his boss. It was about a year or so later when I was promoted to be assistant to the division director that I learned in no uncertain terms that the divisional head just didn't want a man as a secretary, and I say that in inverted quotes. 
When a year after that, my boss's deputy, my former boss, leapfrogged her to become the divisional head when the then divisional head was promoted, my boss, still the division or still the department director, told me about the divisional head's biases, which she had experienced firsthand multiple times, as well as my predecessor. It would be great if I could derive some grand lesson from this whole experience, but it is devoid of lesson-taking derivatives. However, it did make me consider the whole definition of what sexism actually is. I know there is the term reverse sexism, but I believe that that's just a derogatory simplification of the belief that men can't be discriminated against. Of course they can. Anyone can. Though without going down the definition of sexism debate rabbit hole, I will just say that it was a stark reminder to me, at least at that time, that I was a man in a role that the majority considered more suited to be filled by a woman. That experience did make me very conscious about how I was treated by others and how I treated others. And I can say that I haven't had such an overt experience since then. Some small situations, of course, but nothing so substantial. When I normally tell this story, I always think of the movie The Associate with Whoopi Goldberg and Diane Wiest. For those not familiar, it has Goldberg passed over for a promotion at an investment firm by the white man that she's trained, and where Wiest is the white man's assistant. Goldberg then quits to find she needs to invent a white male associate to help her advance her own career and the, her own investment firm that she's founding. Wiest helps Goldberg get a proposal accepted and then quits the investment firm and comes to support her as her assistant and supports, as she discovers, the invented associate to succeed in the new investment firm. Eventually, Goldberg's character takes over the original investment firm and gives a high-powered position, well-deserved, of course, to Wiest's character. The movie concludes with Wiest interviewing her former boss, who wants to return to the firm. Spoiler, she doesn't hire him. It's a fun film, and I've always taken to it, particularly since Diane Weiss' character is the assistant who, scorned by her former boss, gets to enact her authority over him. I've always liked it as a reminder to not burn your bridges, and certainly not to deride or underestimate the assistant, or your assistant especially, because one day they might just become your boss. It's worth noting, back there, when I supported the deputy director, the deputy director who leapfrogged over the director to become the divisional head, well, he had once started out as her assistant. Moving away from those discriminatory stories, I do actually have good stories about being a male assistant, or rather, funny stories about being a male assistant. Uh, these are two of them. The first is from when I was supporting a male exec. I had been making a number of arrangements for him to meet with outside stakeholders when he was traveling to a conference. In this particular case, I had become quite well acquainted with a number of these stakeholders, but specifically an elderly couple um, who, in my mind, had the appearance and demeanor of kindly grandparents. 
While I was not going on the conference, I hadn't even considered the possibility that my boss would be mistaken for me while he was there. But there he was, in the conference room, greeting stakeholders when this elderly couple introduced themselves to him, expressing their delight in finally meeting Jonathan. He was slightly embarrassed, but took it in stride, introduced himself to them, and said that he'd pass on their best wishes to me, which he did. He never did tell me um, if they did have the appearance of kindly grandparents, but I like to believe that they did. The second is the time when I was supporting a woman. I had been making arrangements for a conference we were hosting, and the closing dinner venue was very popular for wedding receptions. It was also near our office, so she wanted to see the venue to make sure that it was suitable both in design and in layout for our closing reception. I made the appointment and we went over together, and on our arrival I introduced us to the receptionist and said we were there to get the tour. The receptionist asked if we were the couple planning our wedding reception. My boss and I were momentarily stunned, and then we both laughed, and we corrected the receptionist. I think the receptionist was more embarrassed than we were shocked. Um, Both my then-boss, who I'm still good friends with, and I have told this story numerous times uh, to different audiences, always to much laughter. This is another one of those mistaken moments, but I like to look at this just as an, oh, we forgot about you kind of moment. A few years ago when I started a new role, it was shortly before Administrative Professionals Day in April. That day set aside to recognize all administrative professionals and that used to be called Secretary's Day. I'll touch on that in more detail in another episode. On that particular day, the company had a lunch, an event for all of the admins. We made our way to the auditorium and settled into our tables. It was evident right from the start that yes, I was the only man, as usual. The event went well and there were jokes and anecdotes and the CEO made an appearance and told some jokes and told some anecdotes as well. The lunch was arranged by the CEO's admin for the admins and so the lunch was actually quite good. At the conclusion, on our way out, we were all given a goodie bag. The bag contained a gift card and a couple of other things as well as a lovely scarf. A lovely pink scarf. It was a lovely pink and purple scarf with tassels. Now I'm not above wearing pink and I'm not above wearing purple. I wear pink shirts quite a lot. I wear purple shirts quite a lot. I have pink and purple ties and handkerchiefs and that. But this scarf was obviously marketed to the majority in the room and not the minority or myself. So I gave the scarf to my mother, who loved it, still wears it. To the credit, though, of the company and to the admins organizing the event, the next admin day the following year, there was a goodie bag just for me with a more gender-neutral selection of items. This, however, was much to the disappointment of my mother. One last story before I wrap up this episode. This one, very unique to me and my eccentricities, I expect. Um, There are very distinct advantages to being a male assistant to a male executive. Uh, Mainly, one of them is that you can tie their tie for them and normally not be suspected of having an affair. 
on this particular occasion, while I didn't support this executive directly and I supported one of his leadership team, my desk was beside his EAs and so I did know him quite well. I had been working late assisting the corporate secretary with the compilation of the board package. This was back when board packages were done hard copy, again, a story for another episode. And as I was packing up, he called me into his office. I entered and he was holding a bow tie in his hand. He asked in a rather uncharacteristically sheepish moment if I could tie his bow tie for him. Uh, His wife, he explained, normally did it, but she was meeting him at the dinner and there wouldn't have been time for her to do it for him beforehand. If anyone would know how, he said to me, it would be you. And I did, and I was happy to do so. And it was probably one of those things that uh, he wouldn't have thought about asking his female EA about, but because I was a man, it was something that he felt comfortable asking me to do. Yes, he asked it cheapishly, but he did ask me, and I don't think it was prompted by anyone else. Um, To be fair, I had come to office, come to the office every day wearing a suit, so he did know that I could at least tie a tie. I don't know if he actually knew whether I could tie a bow tie. It was one of those questions. If I remember correctly, I think he had tried to tie it using YouTube, but uh, but was unsuccessful. Anyway, I'm sure his wife was very good at tying his bow tie for him after that, because I never had to do it again. Um, nor have I ever had to tie a bow tie for anyone else. I tie them for myself quite a lot. Um, wearing tuxedos I go to various events Um, but yeah it was just one of those interesting stories that I thought I would share So we've come to the end of episode two. I'd like to thank you for joining me this week, and I hope that you found something of what I said interesting, or at least something funny. Uh, As I said at the end of episode one, this is where I would announce what I would be talking about in the next episode, and I've now set out topics until the end of August. So, in episode three a role not defined by a title, I'll touch on a brief history of the assistant as well as tackle some of the variations on the title and the variations on the role. There are also several organizations designed for the admin and I will toss in a story or two. For episodes four and five, I'll tackle the different supporting styles, including supporting remotely, supporting more than one, supporting temporarily, and supporting a micromanager. I'm looking forward to recording the next podcast, and I hope you are equally looking forward to listening to it. So, until next time, have a great week. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this has been the perspective of a male admin.